He had this one, and it was for you. So here we go. You ready for it? Um, We, as believers, should have a standard. We should have. But we look at different things as our standard. And what is our standard? You know, when, when you're little you don't really have a standard. And so you're there with mom, and you're taking the peas maybe and sticking them in your ear. And she's saying, um, Johnny, don't stick the peas in your ear. So you're learning a new standard. We don't stick green peas in our ear. So you, you grow up and you realize, okay, we don't stick green peas in our ear, right? How many of you are still sticking green peas in your ears today? Not happening. They're screaming in the back for the title of the message. So, um, um, or you see Sally, and she's slapping her brother. So you tell her, Sally, don't slap your brother. So you learn a new standard. Or Susie's biting her sister. And she gets a spanking. So she learns a new standard, right? Or Bobby's picking boogers and eating them. (laughs) Now you're laughing, but it hasn't happened. (laughs) Or Johnny's sitting out in the yard eating dirt. And if your name is any one of those, I'm not picking on you. But you know, we learned standards when we were young. We learned, you don't still eat dirt today, do you? Well, maybe some of you do. I don't know. But we learned that we weren't supposed to do those things anymore. You know, we gained knowledge that we were not to do those things anymore. So, as we grow, we should be gaining knowledge that we're, we shouldn't be doing things anymore. Then we, after we grew just a little bit, and we got away from home, we graduated to school. And we learned a whole new set of standards. We learned that we don't cheat. If you get caught cheating, what happens? Well, when I went to school, you found out that there was this thing called a paddle and it had holes in it. How many of you remember those days? We really should have them today. Then there would be less cheating today. Or lying. You learned that you didn't lie to the teacher and tell her that the dog ate your homework. Or you did it and you can't find it, or whatever the case would be. Or lying or or stealing Bobby's milk money. Or that you didn't just let your temper rule you at school and sock somebody in the nose. You learned things while you were in school. You learned standards that you had to get up and meet the school bus and get there on time. There were certain rules that you had to follow. How many of you learned some standards while you were in school? That you use to this very day. Standards. Well, then you got to be a teenager... And you forgot all your standards. 
that shouldn't happen. You should learn new standards when you become a teenager and gain new ground. But then you get away from home and you get out on your own, whether it be you get married or you're single and you live by yourself or you're just... Uh, whatever, out on your own. You're not with mom and dad anymore. And those standards either stay with you or you lose them. Who becomes, what becomes, when, where, what are your standards then? Who makes you do anything then? How many have you ever seen a child? I don't care if they were brought up in the perfect Christian home, the perfect Christian environment, and the parents did an excellent job on them. I saw it. I was over at the admissions office at Raymond. Nancy saw it. They came from the perfect Christian home. Their parents did an excellent job on them, and they go to college. And it's like, they don't know what a standard is. They just kind of let their self go. Because there's no one there to make them study. There's no one there to make them go to bed at night. There's no one there to make them pay their bills. And it's like, what happens? Who's responsible for them then? Who do they have to answer to? How many of you did that when you went to college? Don't put your hand up. (laughs) And the laundry and the smell. And all they do is bring it back home and dump it for mom. What happens to the standard there? Where do we get it from? Do we go back to mom and dad and say, make me do this now? Doesn't happen. I mean, sometimes moms still try to run you when you're 50 years old, but it doesn't really work real well, does it? Or, or better yet, mother-in-laws try to run you when you Listen, if mother-in-laws are going, ah, No. But there's a standard that we should uphold. What keeps you now from watching the wrong TV program, from cheating on your taxes, from having an affair, from uh, stealing something, from changing the price tag on something in a store, from lying? From being work, going to work late, from doing things that you know you shouldn't do. What keeps you from that now? You don't have mommy telling you not to stick the peas in your ear. You don't have the school teacher with the paddle. 
You don't have daddy telling you he's going to take your car keys away. What or who is going to keep you from that now? And is anything keeping you from it now? Or is it the very thing that I basically deal with in youth that keeps you from receiving the things that you should be getting now? Let's find out. You want to? All right, let's do. Since I gave Dave my page, I got it upside down here. He probably couldn't read it anyway. Um, Let's look at who we are supposed to follow and what we're supposed to follow. You may wish I got the other message out. Too late. Matthew 5, verse 48. It's in the Amplified. It says, You, therefore, must be perfect, growing. Now, we're still growing. How many of you are still growing? Maybe not this way, but in here. Growing into complete maturity of godliness in mind and character. Having reached the proper height of virtue and integrity. As your heavenly Father is perfect. So who is your example? Your heavenly Father is your example. Now that's a pretty high standard. Don't you think? I think sometimes Keith has a pretty high standard and I kind of get frustrated because I think, okay, enough. Because if I say something wrong, he's like, watch that mouth. What are you saying? What are you doing? I mean, it's like, he's, he, I call him my walking concordance, you know. <laughs> Yesterday I texted him on a couple of, where is this? Who is this? What is this? You know, and five seconds later, bop, 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 and, and he's in the car. So I know he doesn't have his Bible. He doesn't have anything. Like, blah, blah, this verse, this page, this scripture, this, this. You know, so he's my, he's, he's my standard in some ways, you know. So it's like, okay, he's got the answer. So why do I spend all day looking for it? <laughs> hey, I'm blonde, but I ain't dumb. <laughs> I mean... We are in unity. We are one, you know. So, I mean, take the good and leave the rest, you know. I mean, so um, I would text him and he'd tell me the answers and he'd put a joke at the end of it. High standard. Why? Jesus has a very high standard. Christians today, believers today, how many have ever heard the story or been with somebody, or know somebody that have gotten hurt from a minister or someone that they were really looking to that didn't follow God. And they had all their total confidence in that minister, and that minister messed up. Well, that minister's not God. They, they are not the total standard. God is the total standard. He's who we should follow. But now it didn't just say Phyllis should follow the minister. It said you should be perfect as that. We're all supposed to set our standard as following him as our example. It said be perfect 
Now that's a big word. Perfect. All it means is complete or wholehearted. And that's where we get confused. When we're following the Lord and doing the things that we need to do and following His standard, when you are, okay, let's see, about to put the peas in your ear, do you know better than to do that? Are you confused about whether you should put peas in your ear? How many of you today are still confused about putting peas in your ear? Or in your nose? Well, let's, let's change it up. How many of you know what's going to happen if you stick green peas up your nose? Okay, uh, let me tell you about me. I'll tell you a story about me. I, I haven't told this story ever, I don't think. I hope my sister is not watching. When we were probably four years old, I was probably maybe five and she was probably three, I loved the taste of baby aspirin. You know, those little Bayer baby aspirin? I don't know why. I just liked, I've always liked oranges, the taste of oranges. You know, even today, I put orange in almost everything I drink. I've always liked it. And they, that's what they tasted like. Do they it still taste that way, orange? And... Um, so mom had Bayer orange aspirin in the medicine cabinet. And mom was busy. And so I decided we would have orange Bayer aspirin as our snack. <laughs> and so I ate them, and my little sister was there. And she was two years younger than me. And so I gave her a couple of them. And I ate most of them. And I lied. And I said, she ate most of them, and I got a couple of them. And I learned a new standard that day. <laughs> Not only did I learn a new standard, but we got rushed to the hospital, and both of our stomachs were pumped out. But you know what? I don't eat jars of baby aspirin anymore. <laughs> and I doubt my little sister does either. I learned better. I'm smarter than that now. Because I learned how to listen on the inside. I know better than to go and eat baby aspirin. What about you? Do you know better than to eat baby aspirin? Well, God is our standard. He's who we're supposed to follow. He's given us some rules and regulations that we're supposed to follow. We know what they're supposed to be. But he's also given us some other things that we're supposed to follow. Let's see what they are. Hebrews 13. Like I say, my husband's a pretty high standard most of the time for me. And you'll understand why I'm saying that on this next part. The Amplified Hebrews 13, 7. When it comes to the word, he don't bend. He don't bow. He don't nothing. Amen. 
I mean, most of you don't know it, but a lot of times we'll get finished with the service and he'll call Dave and I in and he'll say, y'all need to do this and y'all need to do that. And we'll get corrected. But we'll do it right next time. Won't we do it right? Yeah. Because his standard is here. And he wants it right. When it comes to the things of God, there's no playing with them. If the sound wasn't right, it's us. If the lights weren't right, it's us. If the screen wasn't right, it's us. If this wasn't right, why? Why would he care? Because it has to do with the things of God. And there's a standard that he's trying to uphold. Because when you represent the Lord, there's a certain place that you're supposed to be always. And not second best, first, always. It's no make do. It's no get by. It's here. It's no we'll get to it. It's here. And that's what we do. So look at this verse. Verse 7 in the Amplified. It says, Remember your leaders and your superiors in authority. For it was they who brought you the word of God. Observe attentively and consider their manner of living, the outcome of their well-spent lives, and imitate their faith, their conviction, that God exists and is the creator and the ruler of all things, the provider and bestower of eternal salvation through Christ. They're leaning on Him, on leaning of the entire human personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in His power, His wisdom, and His goodness. So you trust God, you look to Him as your example to follow, and you look to godly leaders as your example to follow. If they're following God in the way that they're supposed to be following God, you look to them. Now, let me ask you a question. If we were to come in here as your leaders... And the communion was just a mess. It was kind of sprawled out in every direction and the tablecloth wasn't clean. It had spots where they'd spilled grape juice all over it. And the carpet was just as bad with spots all over it. And all the instruments were out of sync and, and um, the flowers were just kind of falling over and, and uh, everything in here was just a mess. And my hair was standing straight up on its head. <laughs> and I didn't take time to get properly dressed. And nobody was in their proper place. There was no ushers where they needed to be. And there was nothing in order. And I was late. I came in late and all my papers were scattered all over the place. Would that be something you should follow? Why am I asking you that question? 
Ding dong. Anybody home? Are you a leader? Are you an example? Huh? Are people following you? How's your life? Is it in disarray? If I were to go out there and get in your car right now, what would it look like? If I were to go in your house right now, what would it look like? If you needed to have somebody come over right now and minister to them at your home, could you? What is your standard? How do you represent the Lord? Are you following your leadership? Are you doing what you want to do? Are you People say, "God, use me. Use me, God. Use me, God. Please, God, please promote me, use me." And he's like, "Uh Take a shower, comb your hair. I know, uh, is Todd in here? Is he in TV? I know the morning Todd had heart attack. They called. It was pretty early that morning. Dave was mad because we both had to go, but anyway. He doesn't like it when I have to deal with things that he has to deal with. It's kind of like, what's the point, you know? But anyway, it was like 8 o'clock that morning. I was up, clean, showered, makeup on, able to be at the hospital in about 15 minutes. What about you? What is your standard? Are you available for God to use? Are you going to be four hours getting ready for him to use you? Are you available that he can put you in a place to where you're ready to do something for him? What's our standard, guys? We need to be available for God to use. Mama and Daddy's not there anymore to say, get up and get out of bed and be ready. So we need to be our standard. We need to look to the Lord. We need to look to our leaders to be our standard. I'm not saying you can't ever sleep, although I did say sleep was overrated Friday night. And I found that out last night. But anyway, we have to be ready for God to use. We have to hold ourselves to a certain standard, to God's standard. Read the Old Testament. How many of you remember the story about the Queen of Sheba? When she saw the things that Solomon had, and the way that his cupbearers, and the way that his attendants, and the way that his food was prepared, and the way that his things were, what did she do? She went and loaded up everything she had with money and gold and and silver and brought it to him. 
I wonder why some people are not being blessed. Maybe if somebody saw how you took care of what you had, they might want to give you more. Could that possibly be a Bible principle? Being faithful with a little and you might get more? Hmm, might have to call Keith and see if that's a scripture or not. But your standard. Find out what your standard is. Then we need to bump it up just a little bit. So we're not always playing catch up, but we're available. Some place else that we learned a lot of things from our leaders. We learned so much from the Hagans and the Copelands and others. I mean, Brother Hagan would not minister to anyone. I don't care what the situation was without his coat and tie on. Never. I don't care if it was sitting on his back porch by his swimming pool. If he was going to minister to someone, he had his coat and tie on. Always. What is your standard? How do you represent the Lord? I mean, I think in today's society, we've lost honor for the things of God. And who do we honor? And what do we honor? What does it take for something to receive honor or respect? Who? Something to think about. But raise our standard to where we know when we're dealing with the things of God, I think it was Brother Happy. Oh, he stirred me up. Did he stir you guys up? Oh, he stirred me up when he said we had to get out our Sunday shoes. Well, why would that be? Because they knew that there was an honor for the things of God. When you went to the house of God, you went with a reverence and an honor. You didn't just do it because it was something to do. I mean, it's great that, that we're uh, more carefree about the things of God and we're not so bound with the things of God. But then there's another side at it. That when you come into the house of God, that you honor Him, and you respect Him, and you respect His people, and their place. I mean, I've said it before. I am Keith's wife, but when he gets in this pulpit, he's a prophet of God, he's a man of God. And I receive from him just exactly the same way that you receive from him. And the way that you respect somebody is what you receive from them. And I'll just be honest with you. He's not here, so I'm going to tell you. A lot of places that we go respect him more than this church does. They stand in line, they wait. You can grow accustomed to anything and lose respect for it. We don't want to do that, guys. 
Because I'm going to speak, I know he's my husband, but I'm going to speak from the side of just being a person listening. He's a gift to the body of Christ. And a lot of you moved here to receive from that gift. And it's just like anything else. If you lose respect for it, you have a chance of losing it. And it'd be the same thing with your spouse. What happens so many times in marriage is you totally lose respect for them. You you see them on their natural level. You see them on a daily basis. And you can lose respect for for who they are. And the gifts that they have in them. So oftentimes they can have gifts just exactly the same as I might have or Keith might have or Dave might have or Kim might have. But because you see them every day in the natural things, you can lose respect for them. We saw the Hagans in their natural habitat all the time. But when they got in the pulpit, didn't matter what had just happened before that or not. You honor them as the person of God that they are. And if we do that, then we're going to receive things from God that we've never received before. Like the miracle and healing services. I've seen my own husband minister in healing as profound as anybody that I've ever heard tell of on the planet. I've seen miracles happen. I mean, he ministered in healing school for 20 years. Terminal cases, one right after the other. Nancy can tell you, they had them, I mean, one right after the other. I've seen them. But if we don't expect them, and we don't revere them, and we don't um, honor the gifts that God's given us, then we're not going to have them. And there's people sitting in this room right now that are sick. We have to expect. We have to raise our standard for what we're believing for. We shouldn't just come to church and just think, okay, it's another service. We have to hear Brother Moore preach for two hours. If we come and we think that, then it's going to limit what Brother Moore can do and it will make him preach for two hours. But if we hook... We've prayed, uh, the girls and us, and it's like, okay, if everybody will hook, he'll be able to get to something, and we've seen it happen. But if everybody in here is their minds are going off in this tangent, and in this tangent, and this tangent, it's like we keep staying, and we keep staying in the same place, and we keep staying in the same place. But guys, it's time for us to grow. It's time for us to take the next step and come up to the next level. Reach the next things that God has for us. We don't have to stay in this state all the time. Do you you guys remember when we first got to church that the Lord spoke through Keith and said, I'm going to grow them up quickly, speedily. We did for a while, but doesn't it seem like now we've kind of... I'm not going to settle for that, are y'all? I think we should continue growing. I think we should continue getting the things that God has for us. We need to reach for them and be expecting 
And not just come like it's another church service, but every time you come, be expecting. What is it? If we go through our Christian lives just ho-hum, that's what we're going to get is ho-hum. I remember Brother Hagin telling the story about people came up to the altar and they were all praying. They were all knelt around the altar. And he went around. He said, the Lord dealt with them to do it. Go around the altar and tap everybody and say, what you, what you praying about? And they'd say, ah, oh, not much. And he said, well, that's what you're going to get, not much. And that's what's happening when people come into church. It's like they're coming. What you coming for? You could pretty much get the same answer. Not much. And you're expecting to leave the exact same way that you came. Do you remember the days when you got so excited about hearing a sermon? That you would be changed when you heard something? We've got to get back there. If we get that excitement back, you can't expect somebody to excite you. You've got to excite yourself in the Word. And when you do, and you get excited about the Word, it's going to change your life. It's your job to believe the Word. It's your job to pay attention to it and get excited about it. Just a few minutes ago, uh, we walked out of the service and Dave said, you know what, I never saw that Word in, in the Amplified, you know. And excited about one Word. But you have to be that way. You have to stir yourself up to be that way. And the reason I'm sticking on this one is because leaders and superiors, I, I, you know, uh, I just think that everybody in here should fall into those categories. Not just looking at me. Not just looking at Keith. I think everybody in this room should be a leader in this city. I think every place that you work, every place that you go in, every place that you visit to eat, every place that you do anything with, you are a leader, as far as I am concerned, representing the things of God in this city. You have things in you that they don't have. You have things in you that they need. And if you don't hold your standard to a certain level, they'll never desire it. So we must, as leaders, be excited about the things of God. People can tell if you're excited. Just the other day I went into a, a car dealership. And there was this young guy and I took Keith's car in, his, his blue Corvette in. And um, um, something had happened to the key fob on it. And uh, this little guy says, um, that's, let's see how he said it. He said, uh, um... I can't remember how he said That's a mighty lot of car for you or something like that. And I thought, how dare you? But anyway, <laughs> I didn't say it. I didn't say it. Anyway, I said, well, it's not mine. It's my husband's. And uh, he said, man, be nice to have something like that. How, how long has he had it or something like that? Or how long has he driven Corvettes or something? I said, since he's been about 18. And um, he said, um, he said, man, it'd be nice to have something like that. I said, you can have something like that. He said, well, what do you drive? 
I didn't tell him I drove my Navigator. I said, I drive a Mustang Cobra Shelby. <laughs> I mean, he's a young guy, you know, because I knew he was going to ask. He said, how'd you get that? I said, somebody gave it to me. Door wide open, you see. Somebody gave it to you? Yeah. I said, you know what the Bible says? He said, what? I said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. He said, God would give me something like that? Oh, yeah. I mean, he may be sitting in here now. I don't know. He said, what do you do? Well, what about you? You could have just as easily had that testimony as me. Just as easily. What is our standard? What is our goals? How do we represent the Lord? It's real important that we represent Him faithfully. That we honor Him in the way that He deserves to be honored. He deserves it, don't you think? There's another category that's supposed to be recognized. Titus 2. Verse 3. Likewise, this is the NIV, guys. Teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, I guess that was non-alcoholic wine, but anyway. Uh, But teach them what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and their children and to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. So the older spiritual women should be doing what? Teaching the younger But if they ain't doing it right, what are they teaching them? I know that's why it's such a wonderful thing that Mrs. Fry is like over the clean team. 98% of our young people that come in here, you know, are come in on the clean team. I ain't dumb. You put somebody with some maturity in an area that when they're coming in, they're going to get some... Word them. They're going to get some uh, loving in them. They're going to get the right things input into them as they first come in. You don't put some young person that's going to do some stupid stuff and get them going in the wrong direction when they first come in here. You put somebody with some maturity in those places. And that's what's supposed to be happening. But we should have that in every area. There should be so many areas like that that you've got the older people teaching the younger and teaching them how to honor God and the things of God. If we don't, guys, we're going to lose some things. And it's not good to lose things. Um, let's see. Are we having fun? Y'all wish I would have done the other ser- sermon? Yeah. 
how that you're learning how to regulate your life, how that you're learning how to do what you learned how to do, the standard of your life, is what? You follow the Lord. You follow leaders. You follow the people that are older in the Lord. But there's a way that's even more important than that way. And that's what I want to get to for just a few minutes here this morning. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans, 12, uh, Romans 2.15. In the Amplified. Who walks more, me or Dave? (laughs) Dave, they said. He walks faster, I know that. That's because he won't run but a mile. (laughs) Okay, Romans 2.15. It says that they show the essential requirements of the law. They're written in their hearts and are operating there. With which their consciences, the sense of right and wrong, bear witness. And their moral decisions, their arguments of reason, their condemning or approving thoughts will accuse or perhaps defend and excuse them. So who tells you today not to eat the bottle of Bayer aspirin? Who tells you today not to stick the peas up your nose? Who tells Dave to not stand up here and eat his boogers anymore? I love picking on him. It's quite fun. What tells you that? Your conscience. But there's a funny thing about your conscience that I think most people have missed. And it is very, 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 very important. If you don't get but one thing today, get this. Your conscience is not like your mom. It's not going to keep telling you over and 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 over again. It's going to think you would get it by now. It's like if it tells you don't go there and you override it, you could have a wreck. It's not going to stop you from doing it. It can't stop you from doing anything. Not like your mom can jerk you by the hair of the head and say, don't do that. It, it can't stop you from doing something. It can scream, it can yell. It's like I tell the youth, I'm going to be in the back of your minds. When you get ready to do that, you're going to hear my voice. And they, they'll come back to me, you know, I got ready to do that. And, and Mrs. Moore, I'm, I swear they use that word. I swear I heard your voice in the back of my mind. Well, that's kind of the way your conscience is. It will tell you, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't, you'll get in the middle of it. Don't go there. Don't do this. Don't do it. 
It will take, but it cannot jerk you and say, Ty, don't, you know. You have to make a choice. You have to decide. You have to follow it. It will not make you do it. And that's where people are messing up. It will not get up and turn your computer off from watching those naked women. Won't do it. It'll tell you, and it'll tell you, and then at some point it'll do this. First Timothy four two. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their consciences seared with a hot iron. The living says, these people are hypocrites. What, what it's meaning is they're lying even to themselves. And are liars. Their consciences are dead. Can you get a dead conscience? Can you override your conscience so much that it quits telling you something? That's what the Word says. I didn't say it. That your conscience can be dead. But you can wake it back up again. But we have to, guys, because we have to raise our standard. You can't kid yourself that you can be one way at home in your little closet and another way on the job or another way at church or another way someplace else. It's going to catch up with you. Your flesh will give in at some point. It'll catch up. If you steal or you, if you cheat on your taxes or if you, if you lie or if you, you do things that you know you shouldn't. You're not hurting me as a person. You're hurting you. And not receiving the blessings and the benefits that God has set out for you to receive. And He wants you to have. And the devil is sitting there lying in wait. For you to do it. Because it leaves him a wide open door to step right in and send destruction your way. And that is part of the reason that we've had so much destruction. So many people hurting, so many people oppressed, so many people dealing with things that they shouldn't be dealing with. It's because there's so many doors wide open. From people not following their consciences. It's like what I said Friday night. You're doing part of what you know is right. You're here at church. But then as soon as you walk out the door, it's like you do things behind the closed doors that you know you shouldn't be doing. And just because somebody doesn't tell you not to do it, it'd be like you not telling your child you can go to a party like we said Friday night, but don't drink. They should already know not to drink.
I mean, we should not have to stand up here and say, okay, guys, this is what you don't do. You don't cheat on your taxes. You don't go in the store and change the price tags. You don't take clothes out of the store and wear them and then take them back and return them and get your money back on them. You don't uh, go and uh, um, try to get people to give you something for free all the time. You don't. I mean, we shouldn't have to read off a list of things to people that they shouldn't do. They have a conscience. We're, we're not a, a, a don't do it. That's what your conscience is for. And that's what the Holy Ghost inside you helps you to do. And people are not being blessed and they're hurting because they're not doing what they know inside them to do. And you can lie to everybody around you and tell them you're doing everything right. But you know... Between you and you, you're not. I have people do it to me all the time. I was just dealing with a situation yesterday, last night, and it was quite frustrating because, you know, I'm thinking, why am I dealing with this? I've got tomorrow. But you, you want to help people, but they've been deceiving their own selves in some things. We've all done it, but it's time that we grow up and take the next step and hold our own standard to a level that the devil has no open doors to get into our lives. Nothing. He can't get in. It's like Keith says, he's looking through a plate glass trying to get into us, and he can't because when he says, watch this TV program, we go, you watch it. Or he says, steal that. You go, you steal it. I'll believe God. He'll give me my own. He'll give me three because I didn't steal it. Then we've held up a standard. And we feel a stronger witness to be able to witness to somebody. And we get our answers. So we do what our conscience says. Acts 24.16 And herein I do exercise, uh-oh, 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 there's that word. I do exercise myself to always have a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Let me read it to you from the Amplified. Therefore I always exercise and discipline myself, mortifying my body, deadening my carnal affections, bodily appetites, and worldly desires, endeavoring in all respects to have a clear, unshaken, blameless conscience, void of offense toward God and toward men. How many of you in here really dislike to exercise? Raise your hand. That is exactly why people don't do this. Because it is exercise, just in a different way. For the very same reason you don't like to do bodily exercise, 
people don't do this exercise because it's work to tell your flesh no. It is work to tell your flesh, no, I can't have that extra piece of pie. It's work to tell your flesh, no, I can't watch that TV program. Because you know what? On cable, there could be somebody that sees my television bill and they could be a Christian and they might know that I go to Faith Life Church. Oh, you didn't think about that. I'm so sorry. See how quiet it gets? Or rent that movie or... or uh, you might go in this store and choose someone out because your flesh feels like it today. But you have to exercise it and tell it it can't do that today. Even though it's, excuse me, ladies, that time of whatever. And you really feel like you want to. You can't do it. You have to exercise yourself and put your flesh under. And it's not fun. But we have a standard to uphold. And we have to go back and read it. Uh, We have to be uh, growing, mature, as our Heavenly Father is. Now, you know what? I didn't write that. He did. So if he wrote it, that means we can do it. Right? We have a representation, and it's not just Faith Life Church, and it's not Keith and Phyllis Moore, and it's not just your own self. You represent the Lord. And I can tell you right now, from the get-go, it was my biggest challenge when we got in the ministry. And it was the biggest thing that I thought. I did not want to be an example. I fought it with both feet tooth and nail and hands and screaming and clawing. Just exactly the same way you don't want to be. You don't want people knowing what you're doing all the time. You don't want them seeing what you're doing all the time. You want to be able to say that cuss word every once in a while. But people are watching whether you want them to be or not. And they are seeing. So we have an exercise job to do. And it's more than just one mile. Go with them twain. Hebrews 10. We're getting close. Y'all hang on just a minute. Wake up. It's raining outside. You don't want to go right now anyway. Hebrews 10. Like I say, if you want the other message, go back there and get it. It's free. Hebrews 10.35, the NIV. It says, so don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come back and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are of those who shrink, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. 
We are of those who believe and are saved. So we're not going to shrink back and pretend like we don't know what to do. We're going to step up to the plate and do the extra miles and put our flesh under and do what we're supposed to do so that we be the representation and the standard of leaders that we're supposed to be. It's only going to help us. It's only going to be a reward to us that we receive the things that we're supposed to receive. If you hadn't been getting the things that you're supposed to get, when you turn the computer on, check your heart again. When you turn the TV on, check your heart again. When you go in that store, how are you representing the Lord? Check your heart. You know, um, I was thinking about yesterday when I was studying this, when the lady that was caught in adultery, what kept them from stoning her? Nobody knows. Their consciences. Their own consciences kept them from stoning her. And that's the way that we should be. That we know our consciences well enough that we know in dealing with other people, we should be so ready to hug on the person next to us, love the person next to us, befriend the person next to us, instead of judging the person next to us. Because in reality, I use this word all the time, Kisa Steele, that's not a word. Reality-wise, <laughs> reality-wise, if you opened up your doors, they could stone you. So if we keep our own conscience clear, then we're ready to help somebody else with their conscience. We shouldn't be judging anyone. We should be helping people to keep their conscience clean instead of judging somebody because we know that they've messed up about something. So you know somebody's watching something. So you know somebody's doing something that they shouldn't be doing. So you know that they're doing bad things. Great! It's your opportunity to help them overcome it, not judge them for doing it. That's what you're here for, is being a leader. You love on them. You help them to overcome it. You don't knock them down. Because what you sow, you're going to reap it. Stand up on your feet with me. I'm going to read you one more verse. We talked about us being perfect before the Lord. Chronicles 16.9 in the King James says this. For the eyes of the Lord runs to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. How many of you want the Lord to show his heart, show himself strong on your behalf? Has that been happening? If it hadn't been happening, there could be a reason why. I believe it can happen for us. I believe he can show himself so strong that everybody in this city wants to know, why are you so blessed? 
What's going on with you? That's exactly what happened with that car. That was the only reason I was able to give him a testimony and talk to him about the Lord was because of the car. Now, if I had come in there with a junker car that was falling apart, he would not have asked me about it. There would have been no open door. But because I was blessed, I was able to minister to him about the Lord. It should be the same way in your life. So are you ready for it? Step it up. Let's take our standard up. Let's watch our consciences. Don't, no one has to tell you when you're doing wrong. It's not anybody's job to tell you you're messing up. It's not your husband's job. It's not your wife's job. It's not your pastor's job. It's not your mother's job. It's not your father's job. Not your friend's job. It's your own heart's job. And you should be mature enough to follow that. It shouldn't take a slapping across the head to say, okay, wake up. It should just be this little twitch inside you that when it says, don't eat that, don't do this, don't do that, you should say, yes, sir, and do it. And if you do that, you're just going to be growing and growing and growing and growing. And it doesn't take long to where when that happens, you don't even think about it. You just do it. But the more you yield to it, the easier it is to yield to it. Are you going to expect to grow? I'm expecting me to grow. I'm expecting every time the Lord tells me something, yes, sir, yes, sir. Then Dave and I don't get called on the carpet because the lights ain't working or the sound ain't working or this ain't working because we're going to be led ahead of time. We're going to follow our hearts and when something comes up, we're going to get it, get it. Get it done. So, and y'all will be the same way. Glory to God. All right, we're going to receive communion.